In our gospel this weekend, Jesus tells Mary, his mother, that his hour had not yet come. But here's the good news. His hour has come. That's right. You are now living in the hour of Jesus. It's still his time. It is the hour of the church. It is the hour of souls being saved from the grasp of the devil. The hour for the proclamation of God's victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The hour for dispensing the healing powers of the sacraments. The hour for conviction and conversion of sacrificial service. The hour for bold, fearless preaching. We are living in the hour of Jesus. And Jesus says to his church today, even as he did to those servers at the wedding in Cana in Galilee, fill the jars with water. I mean to work a sign. I mean to bring about a great wonder so that my disciples may begin to believe in me. In turning the water into wine at Cana, in submitting to the intercession of his beloved mother, Mary, Jesus inaugurated his hour. And even though that the world might be out there thinking that Christianity is over and done with, that it's dying out, that we have run out of wine, we all know it's not over. It continues. And now we are invited by our baptism to be a part of that holiest hour with him. Are you ready? We are being prepared for the church's finest hour. An hour of great holiness and sacrifice. An hour of purification and evangelization of great signs and wonders. The prayer Pope St. John Twenty-Third offered to the church at the opening of the Second Vatican Council comes to mind here. Lord, renew your wonders in our time as though for a new Pentecost. As though for a new Pentecost. I firmly believe that this is happening. I believe that the Holy Spirit is being unleashed in this hour, the goose is loose. The wild goose, that's what the church called the Holy Spirit back in the day. The Holy Spirit is being unleashed. The love of God, the Father, is currently being poured out into your hearts. Power from on high is clothing us by the dying and the rising of Jesus. This is the hour for great gifts from God. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, we hear in our first reading. But you shall be called my delight and your land espoused, for the Lord delights in you. Do you hear that? Our God delights in us, and therefore he means to shower us with gifts that will help us really be the church, to really live out and reveal the kingdom of heaven here and now. Contrary to popular belief, we do not worship a helpless, weak God. 
Modern man has tried his best to create a God who is helpless to act in this world. A God who stays very far away from us. A God whose hour has not yet come and never will. But Jesus' hour is here. And he is busy transforming water into wine. He is actively forgiving our sins. He's actively choosing and raising people up for ministry. He's proclaiming liberty. He is shielding us from shame and leading us deep into prayerful intimacy with the Father. And he is actively distributing right now, right now, incredible supernatural spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit that will enable and empower us to go and share his presence and his message with all of the people in our lives. The church's tradition calls these spiritual gifts the charisms. And the primary text from sacred scripture, where we learn about the various kinds of charisms, spiritual gifts, happens to be our second reading this weekend. Chapter 12 from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. He writes there, To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. To one is given through the Spirit the expression of wisdom, another the expression of knowledge, another faith, another gifts of healing, another mighty deeds, another prophecy, another discernment of spirits, another varieties of tongues, another interpretation of those tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. What is the purpose of these various freely given gifts from the Holy Spirit, these charisms? Well, thankfully, St. Paul gives us a clear answer to that question later in his letter in chapter 14. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in what? In building up the church. This is key. These charisms are distributed not for our own glory, not to attract praise or recognition, not to demonstrate the particular holiness of this person or that. No. The only reason that God gives any of us one or more of these spiritual gifts is to build up the church. St. Peter, in one of his letters, echoes Paul's teaching when he writes, as each one has received a gift, use it, use it, put it into action to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. All of this is to say the supernatural spiritual gifts, the charisms, are freely given for God's glory in the church, for his worship and praise. They're meant to help us proclaim the gospel of Jesus and to convince the world that he is real, that he saves us from sin and death, and that he loves us with an everlasting love. It's like what we sang in our psalm just a few moments ago. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Proclaim them. 
The charisms, the spiritual gifts of the Spirit, are not natural talents. They are gifts so that we might, together, as many parts of one body, in a beautifully diverse and yet unified way, proclaim the marvelous deeds of God. But what are these gifts exactly? What do they empower us to do? Well, if you were at one of my masses last weekend where I preached, uh, you may remember that in my homily last week, I spoke specifically about the gifts of miracles and of healing, both bodily and spiritual. This week, let's look at another couple of the spiritual gifts that Paul mentions in this list. Specifically, I'd like to look at the gifts of knowledge and prophecy, which I think are very closely related, as all of the gifts are closely related because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. One writer defines prophecy as an inspired message that carries with it the creative, transforming power of the kingdom of God. It's a sharing of God's heart, a word of knowledge, an insight to be shared. Sometimes prophetic knowledge comes in the form of like an image that kind of emerges in our mind's eye, or maybe even some sort of vision that we mysteriously receive and yet don't fully understand. I recently had an experience of this sort of thing that I will venture to share with you all. Over Christmas break, I watched a really cool documentary called Fearless on YouTube, where these two guys literally sat down prayed together and just asked God, what do you want us to do today? Have you ever asked that? I know I never did. I've I've never asked that simple prayer. What do you want me to do today, Lord? And so I was like, well, that seems pretty easy. Let's try it. And to my shock, I got an answer, like almost immediately. First, a name came to mind. And then an image of a particular retired priest came to mind who I had not thought about in a very long time. And at first, I will be honest, I shrugged it off. I said, that's probably just my imagination. But then I realized, no, I just asked God what I should do. I should pay attention to this. This is still Jesus's hour, right? He's still speaking, isn't he? Still working signs, right? And so, I went about and I found out where this priest was, which nursing home he was in, and I took a risk, and I went and visited him. And I won't go into detail, but it was awesome. Thank God. Maybe this sounds a little weird to you. Uh, Sure. But I happen to think that these sorts of experiences are actually very common in a normal Christian life. When we make time for silence and prayer, if we dispose ourselves and really ask God, what is it you are telling me, Lord? Show me. Then we can trust that he will actually speak. How many times in our lives has someone said something to us that seemed way too perfectly timed? Afterwards, the person will say to us that they felt compelled to share that word with us, as if it was like the exact thing that we needed to hear, and and we know that that's prophetic. That's, that's God speaking through them. They were imparting knowledge that they didn't fully understand, but it meant so much to us. Our tradition is filled with very reliable stories about prophetic knowledge like this. And often enough, 
in much more dramatic and impressive forms. We might think about famous people like St. John Vianney and Padre Pio, who could apparently read people's souls when they came into the confessional. They received words of knowledge about the state of those souls, and they used that information not to shame those people or make them feel bad about themselves, but in order to provide greater healing and invite deeper, more sincere repentance. One time, a man came to Padre Pio asking if his home would be destroyed in one of the many terrible bombings during World War II. The saint, with eyes filled with tears, as if he could literally see what would happen to that little town happening right in front of him, he, he turns to the man and says, many homes and many churches will be destroyed, but your home will not be one of them. And sure enough, Padre Pio's prophecy came true. Another saint with prophetic gifts, St. Anthony Mary Claret, once scheduled a parish mission during one of the most inconvenient times of the year, during the height of harvest time. Now, with a bunch of farmers in town, they were very afraid that they would end up losing all of their crops if they set aside their work to go to this parish mission. But St. Anthony Mary Claret prophesied that if the farmers did come to church, despite all of their fears, their crops would be blessed. But, and he added this as well, if the farmers chose not to come, then their crops would be destroyed. Sure enough, a freak ice storm, you know, we're fairly familiar with freak snowstorms that are impending any moment, a freak ice storm blew up just two days later and it destroyed all of the crops of those farmers who decided in fear to stay home. The crops of those who had come to church were not only not destroyed, but they seemed to be multiplied. They yielded so much more than anyone could have possibly expected. Maybe Father Kevin and I can try that sometime when we invite you all to one of our talks. Your iPhone will be destroyed if you don't come to this talk. But in all seriousness, Prophecy and other spiritual gifts do not have to be so dramatic, and they certainly are not supposed to be restricted to the lives of world-famous saints. They're supposed to be normal. I was recently on a Zoom call with a friend, and his little girl happened to be on the call with him. And, I, and she was listening to what I was talking about, and I was sharing a struggle that I was going through, and I said, man, I just feel so stupid. I feel so stupid. And the little girl, she might be like four years old, if that, she jumps in and she said so peacefully and so confidently and so gently, you're not stupid, you are loved. Isn't that amazing? That, I believe, was a real prophetic word from God. And this tiny, little, beautiful soul of a child was the instrument, the conduit for the Lord to speak to me. She received the gift, the charism, and she then shared that truth that the Holy Spirit wanted her to say, and it spoke to me. And hopefully it speaks to you as well. You are not stupid. You are loved. Your bridegroom rejoices over you, right? 
He loves you. My point here is simple. God is still blessing us with supernatural gifts. Jesus is still transforming water into wine. God is still speaking to us. It is still his hour. Listen again to that first reading from the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. So if if and when God speaks to you, then I invite you to listen to the Blessed Mother's words from our gospel. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. And Jesus might just bring about a great sign that reveals his glory. Remember, Jesus himself told us, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. So don't be afraid. Don't be weirded out by the Holy Spirit. Instead, be radically open to whatever gifts the Holy Spirit eagerly desires to give to you today.